Chapter 13, Duck Pond Raider Pete groaned and pulled himself out of the bedroll. Every muscle in his legs ached and his shoulders and his arms were sore too. He had thought he was in good condition. He'd done a lot of riding and hiking in the last few weeks, but skiing had found muscles he obviously hadn't been using. Hatsy watched him as he limped around and finally said, I kind of got a notion that a day in the saddle would take some of that salami out of you. Let's saddle up and ride out on the flats. It'll do Sandy good, too. The creek still roared and tumbled from the spell of rain they'd had. The flowers were brighter and the leaves crisp and shiny. As Pete jogged slowly down toward the plains, he realized the rain probably had made more changes than he'd noticed before. Sandy obviously felt a good deal fresher than Pete did. When he reached the great open valley, he exploded into a gallop. Pete's aching muscles made him stiff and awkward in the saddle at first, but before long he had warmed up and relaxed. As Sandy flew on, Pete saw a prairie dog ahead and reined in. Hundreds or maybe thousands of little mounds dotted the earth. On each mound, sitting bolt upright, was a fat reddish-brown prairie dog. Gradually, Pete pulled Sandy to a halt. He didn't want the horse to race through the prairie dog town and step into one of the animal's burrows by mistake. He knew that it was almost a certain way for a horse to break a leg. Pete decided to wait where Hatsy caught up. Now he could hear the puppy-like bark of prairie dogs who had seen him and were given the alarm. As Hatsy rode up, Pete pointed to the town, and they walked the horses slowly towards it. The scolding bark suddenly ended, and the entire community of prairie dogs dived underground almost at the same time. It wouldn't let that pony get the idea you're training him for the Kentucky Derby, Hatsy said seriously. Cow horses don't have much to call to be racing around a range like that, except, of course, in a movie. I know! But figure how Sandy feels, Pete came back at him. He's just naturally got a lot of energy in his system. He ought to work it out once in a while, oughtn't he? No harm done. You know me, Pete. I generally want to speak about something, and this time it's that. You show good sense when you stop, though. Those dog holes are sure murder for horses. Hatsy paused, then went on. Nothing friendlier than a prairie dog ever came off the ark, though. I used to have one for a pet when I was a kid. He lived in his own hole out behind our cabin, but come mealtime he was always right there in the house begging for sugar and bread. No fooling, Pete said. I'm telling you the honest truth, Hatsy said. He used to follow me around like a puppy, but come night he'd vamoose. Pete saw Hatsy wasn't joking. He halfway wished he had a tame prairie dog too, but right now he had Sandy, and that was plenty to ask for. They were past the prairie dog town now, and they let the horses out into a good, easy traveling pace. For a long time, they rode in silence. The landscape ahead began to change. Better take it easy from now on, Hatsy warned as they approached a great stretch of swampy land. Off to the right, Pete could see a glimmer of open water. Finest duck hunting place in the world, Hatsy commented. Thousands of ducks stop here every spring and fall, going north or south. Plenty of them live here all summer long, too. But of course it's not hunting season till after the frost sets in. Some just hang around all the time where the underground cricks bubble up and the water never freezes. They kept their horses on dry solid ground circling around the marshy area. From time to time they caught glimpses of open patches of water. On several of these they saw little groups of ducklings swimming. Never saw ducklings this size without a mother duck bossing around, Hatsy observed. Later they did see many ducks out on the deeper water but they still continued to be groups of ducklings alone near the shore without the busy presence of a mother. A sudden picture of two lone fawns crossed Pete's mind. 
Could there be any connection between fawns without does and ducklings without ducks? But before he had a chance to try the idea out on Hatsy, the old man dismounted into Pete's amazement and took off his Levi's. Then, without a word, he waded bare-legged in his moccasins out into the swamp. He pushed cattails aside, peering everywhere. Finally, he called back, I got it. Come and have a look. Pete jumped down, tied Sandy to a low-growing shrub, shed his clothes, and waded out. There, hidden from dry land, was a duck, hanging from a string attached to a long, limber branch that had been thrust deep into the mud. Somebody's poaching and catching these ducks with fishing hooks, Hatsy said with authority and anger in his voice. Meanest way to kill a bird. And I'd like to find out who the coyote is who's doing it. It's easy to see now why so many ducklings and so few ducks. A little further along, they found another line, this time with a duckling caught on it. The sight of the duckling infuriated Hatsy. Poaching is bad enough, he fumed. But a little one this size, too small to eat, is just mean and wasteful. They circled on around the march and discovered a half dozen more lines, but with no ducks on them. They pulled these out of the water. Let's roll up the lines and put them in my saddlebag, Hatsy said. I'm going to report this to the game warden. I'll take them back to the ranch for evidence along with the ducks we found. As they went on around the march, they saw tracks of big rubber boots near two more baited fishing lines. Who do you suppose is doing this? Pete asked. It's not somebody who's hungry and trying to get a duck for supper, Hatsy replied. Maybe a tourist who thinks he's smart to go home with a carload of game. The guy who set these traps ought to be coming back sometime soon to unload them, Pete said. Let's wait around and catch him in the act. You saw too many movies back in Chicago, Hatsy snapped. Just take a look around here. Anybody can see our horses for miles. No poacher's gonna collect ducks while we're decorating the scenery. Besides that, he might have some unpleasant hardware along with him. Who's been seeing the movies now? Pete said with a grin. Tourists see him too, Hatsy retorted. But this fellow might be a poacher who's real serious about getting duck and doesn't want to be bothered. I'm going to let the game warden handle this one. They had worked their way back up to the place where they had left their horses. You want to ride in with me to the ranch? Hatsy asked. There's still time today, and I'd like to get word to the game warden. No. I'd rather not show Sandy off just yet, Pete replied. I'll stay and get him used to having me swing a rope while I'm in the saddle. I may not get back till tomorrow night, Hatsy said as he started raindrop off at a fast walk towards the ranch. Maybe I'll have a mess of fish for you, Pete said. Trotting along north, Pete sat easily in the saddle. He was beginning to get the feel of Sandy and he liked the horse's quick, easy motions. After a while, he took his rope from beside the horn on the saddle and opened up a good loop and made a couple of swings over his head. Sandy jumped sideways almost like a cat at the unexpected movement in the air above his eyes, but Pete kept his balance with more assurance than he had when Sandy shied at the bear. His legs seemed to telegraph to him just what motion Sandy was going to make. Leaning over the horn, he patted the horse's neck and talked soothing, soothingly to him. He rode on a little and made more swings with his rope. Gradually, Sandy accepted the new experience. Every few hundred yards, Pete varied the routine by giving a light equal pull on the reins. He wanted Sandy to learn to stop quickly after the cast with the rope. Later, he'd teach him to brace himself against the tug of a calf caught in the loop of the lariat. In a very short time, the horse had learned the signal to stand in his tracks. As Pete approached the north end of the dunes, he made a quick cast at a greasewood bush and caught it. With a swift twist of the lariat around the horn, he nodded it, and there was a sudden sideways tug on the saddle, which surprised Sandy. 
Pete's pull on the reins, however, stopped him, and Sandy merely looked around as if to see what this new pressure on the saddle meant. Sandy could have pulled the bush up by his roots, but Pete wanted him to learn to obey each command. He dismounted, loosened the loop, and recoiled his rope. Pete couldn't help wishing Hatsy had been there to see what a good performance he and Sandy were putting on. He was sure that his horse would be ready for roping calves at branding time next year. Maybe not the biggest ones, but at least he'd be useful. No horse from the ranch, not even Cracker Jack, would have given him the fun he was having with Sandy. Pete was about to break into a triumphant gallop when he saw a cow with a little late calf beside her ambling along a few, couple hundred yards toward the left. Why not rope the calf just for practice? Pete galloped ahead with purpose. The cow and calf fled, and Sandy seemed to join in the spirit of the chase. The calf was no match for his fast hooves, and Pete managed to get in close to the scared little animal's left side. Before it could dodge like a jackrabbit, as calves often do, Pete had dropped his loop over his neck and signaled for Sandy to stop. But there was too much of the chase in Sandy to come to a quick halt. The calf shot across in front of him, with the rope pulled hard across Sandy's chest. It almost tripped him, and he was confused and excited. Now Pete was frightened. Sandy could fall and break his neck. The calf might be killed, too. Almost in a panic, he reined back hard. The painful dig of the spade in the roof of the horse's mouth brought him to a sudden stop. Pete nearly flew over the horn. The calf struggled, but Sandy stood. Bawling and shaking her head ominously, the old cow trotted back now. Pete knew he had to let the calf go, but he wasn't sure how to do it. He was afraid Sandy might get spooked if he dismounted and he didn't want to get in the way of the furious cow. He knew what he was supposed to do. He ought to jump down and walk toward the calf holding the rope taut. He'd have to take the chance. With a reassuring pat on Sandy's neck, he dismounted and walked down the rope to the calf. Keeping a wary eye out for the cow, Pete held the rope tight and thus forced the jerking head of the calf towards him. Then he reached out gingerly, loosened the Honda, and flipped the rope off. With a deep gasp for breath, the calf turned and ran bawling to his mother. Pete scrambled back on Sandy, who was excited but had stepped on the reins and been stopped by the pain of the bit. As Pete quieted Sandy, he became aware of the sound of pounding hooves. Looking up, he saw a cowboy racing toward him. He was pretty sure it was one of Uncle Lem's hands, although he couldn't tell positively. He didn't want anyone from the ranch to see him on Sandy yet. Without waiting to finish coiling his rope, he touched Sandy's flanks with his heels and headed for the dunes at a gallop. Sandy heaved up on the first ridge in the dunes, looking back. Pete saw that the cowboy had stopped where the sand began. Pete could go where none of the ranch horses could. Cutting across the dunes, he left the baffled cowboy far behind. On top of a high ridge, he turned and got another glimpse of the cowboy out on the flats. A broad grin spread over Pete's tanned face. I sure fooled that fellow, he thought, and he relished every bit of pleasure and excitement in his escapade. Then suddenly, he began to have a small doubt. He really had no business roping a calf right now. What if he'd injured the animal? This time he'd been lucky, but he remembered some of the times he hadn't been. Not nearly so satisfied with himself as he had been a few minutes before, he turned Sandy east across the end of the dunes towards the camp.